welcoming to the show is actor and stunt performer. <clears throat> Sorry, let me do that over again. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Welcoming to the show is actor and stunt performer Peter Jang. Welcome, sir. Hey, how you doing? Very good. Can't complain. Can't complain. Known for various installments in the Mortal Kombat and Power Rangers franchise, recurring roles on 911 and The Last Ship, is also double David Lim on SWAT and Daniel Hitty on the Criminal Minds franchise. He's the one, the only stuck former and Taekwondo champion, Peter Jang. So, uh, once again, welcome to the show, and here to find out how, uh, like many talents such as yourself, uh, decided they would blend their talents and try to be seen on screen on the big and small screen. Uh, well, uh, well, first off, thanks for having me here. I uh, really appreciate you having me on the show. Um, I first started uh, martial arts when I was about eight years old, and I kept with, up with that my whole life all the way until I fought for my college team. I never thought I would actually do anything with it. <laughs> uh, you know, I think everybody, everybody has their fantasy of being in the film industry and being an actor, stunt person. I didn't really even know what a stunt person did per se. I mean, I kind of figured there were specialists that did stunts, but I didn't know that it was a whole industry in itself, uh, like a whole section of acting aside from acting itself as well. So when I first got into the industry, um, yeah, I just, I got, I am originally from Ohio. I came to out here uh, to go to college in San Diego and they were shooting a pilot down there. Um, oh, wow. And a friend of mine ended up uh, saying, Hey, you know, they need some extras. I was like, Hey, that sounds like fun. <laughs> I didn't really know. I didn't even know that extras were paid. I thought that you just kind of volunteered or something. But I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So I ended up going to ocean beach down there and it was a pilot that never aired, but um, yeah, I got to be on set though. And I got to see the cameras and like how the crews work together. And, you know, they had us up in a, you know, in a little hotel as as our like um as our green room and and whatnot. So it, it was it, it was interesting. And then a few years later, when I graduated from college with an economics degree, I was like, well, that was fun, you know. And and all the work is in Los Angeles, so I'm gonna move up there anyway. So I moved up to Los Angeles to Santa Monica. I was working as a, a business development specialist at a market research firm. But then I started doing extra work on the weekends for fun, uh, just because I thought it was cool. And um started meeting people and you know because i had a martial arts background um you know they kept on saying oh well you should you should look into stunts you should look into stunts i keep on hearing this over and over i finally get my sag card and i and i finally start meeting some some uh people as well and uh, in stunts specifically and you know i was taking acting classes uh and at the ruskin school down in santa monica um it was, it was like a meisner program uh, for about three years but during that time i was also meeting and, and what they call hustling uh sets you know uh, they can't really do it anymore especially with covid but usually what would happen is a stunt person would go find a set um that you know they're shooting a tv show or a movie find the stunt coordinator and then just wait for a good respectable time to talk to them hand them your headshot and say hey you know i'd like to work for you and whatnot so i did that for a little while but then eventually um i got my first uh full rate stunt job on csi new york um, and I was recommended by a woman named Missy, who was uh, running an answering service. And she and Norman Howell was the coordinator that asked her for somebody, quote unquote, green. And uh, she knew that I was looking and knew that I had some talent. So she recommended me. I get on, I get on the set and I 
didn't even even didn't even have a stunt bag with pads or anything. <laughs> I just kind of like got there and I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. But then uh, Norman ended up becoming a really good friend of mine, and he he showed me um, a lot of different things about you know like what it is to be a stuntman in general, and also just uh, being uh, you know what what kind of you know, set protocols and whatnot. And I also met some people on, on that set and many other sets after that who just um, kind of op- welcome you in, you know. It, at first, it's very difficult to get into the community, but um, once people, you start working, people start knowing you, then all of a sudden it, it's a very small um, and supportive community that, that uh, takes care of each other. And, um, and now, 11 years later, I'm still hitting the ground and having a loving life with, about it, so. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so what what overall keeps you going, though? Like just when you first get up in the morning, you're just like, hey, you know, I'm going to do some fun work today. <laughs> well, you know, I always joke with people that the actual job isn't the job. It's getting the job that's the job, right? So yes. <laughs> um, I, whenever I'm on set, that is my happy place. I love being there. I'm and I know I don't just do stunts, which is my main vocation, but I'm also an actor. I'm also I also write and direct my own uh, short films, and I'm trying to do my own feature film, uh, direct and, and uh, written, and then want to direct and star in my own feature film by the end of the year, hopefully. Um, you know, just the whole filmmaking process is very, very rewarding in itself. So really, you know, getting up every day, I just am trying to figure out when, how can I get onto a set? How can I either make a set or how can I find my way on somebody else's set where I can work as that, get that team collaboration, find out how to do these magic tricks that are stunts, you know, like creating the danger when it's about, while keeping everybody safe. And uh, I mean, that's just endlessly fascinating to me, just filmmaking in general. So every day that I wake up, I don't really need to have yeah, the freelance life is difficult, but I don't really need to have that set schedule because for me, you know, the the drive of just finding a way to get onto a set, either my own or somebody else's, that's what really just motivates me for everything. Totally. And what what gave you inspiration to just try your own uh, creative uh, projects? Well, you know, I didn't realize until after I went into film uh that i had been making films since i was very young actually um just when i I mean it wasn't like you know anything serious like i said i I didn't really know what how much of a serious career it was um you know back living back in ohio growing up but you know i i would whenever there was a chance to make a like any kind of project you know could maybe it told us to make a poster but i would want to make a video (laughs) so i'd make like you know mock commercials and uh you know I, at one point, I made like a PSA for not drinking, and I had my sister act like she was drunk in the house, and then get into a car, and then I, I cut Billy Madison's uh, when the O'Doyles drive off of the cliff. I, I cut that next to her driving sloppily down the driveway. Oh and, wow! I mean, it was, it was an awful, <laughs> awful video, but I mean, it was fun, and it was just having that, letting my imagination run, especially in a place like Ohio, which I, you know. I mean, like, it's a great place, but I, I found it a little boring, personally, you know, so to keep my mind occupied, I also that was, was out in the middle of the country. I mean, my high school is across the street from a cornfield, to give you an idea where I'm from. Um, <laughs> so, you know, keep myself, you know, occupied, you know, other than martial arts and other than sports and all these different things, I did like the idea of making films. And, I, you know, I even, uh, I ended up having to go to a tournament, but I even 
uh, coach some of my friends to make a, a fight scene. I was like, look, you need to have the camera angle at this angle. So it looks like you're hitting them, but they're not actually hitting and they have to react. They didn't understand and it looked awful, but, <laughs> but at least I, I, I just remember having the idea of how to stack a punch, how to make something look painful when it's not. And that was just fascinating back then. And then, you know, fast forward 15, 20 years later, and I'm, I'm on sets doing it for real. And I just, it's, it's mind boggling. Every day I wake up and I'm just pinching myself. Like, this is, is this my life? This is what's really going on. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I've been making uh, little films since I was younger. And then uh, that just kind of stuck with me. And I've always been a writer. My sister, it, she publishes graphic novels back on the East coast. It's red style of media, a little plug there. <laughs> but, Sweet. Uh, yeah, she, she's, she's great. And uh, she, she's been publishing graphic novels for a long time. And, you know, she inspired me to be a writer. And, I, you know, I've been writing screenplays um, for a couple of years now. But before that, even even um, and when I was in college, I was writing short stories that, you know, were doing very well. And, and uh, I even wrote a movie treatment when I didn't even know what movie treatments were. I just had this idea, like, this is a great story that I want to make. And I'm still planning on making it. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I wrote that all the way back when I was in college. So for some reason, there's always been this little bug in me that, you know, wanted to be creative, wanted to open people's minds in a certain way that, you know, can't happen just by them just living in their own reality, but by pushing their reality, by making a box in front of them, show them pictures that are out of this world, you know, or, um, or just out of their world. I think that is endlessly beneficial for everybody like it's been in my life you know i think most a lot of people you know where they really think about it you know there's been a movie or a tv show that's influenced them in a, in a very big way and that kind of magic you know you just watch something and then it inspires you to change your own life that kind of magic is, is one of the very few things that you can do is film that you can actually have that kind of magic for somebody so uh, i you know that that kind of that kind of thing just made me inspired to to be in the profession that I am so it's very nice and do you really see a lot of your positive energy just kind of just spread throughout the room when whenever you make various suggestions or blow people's minds just pitching ideas to them uh it depends you know it depends on who I'm in the in the room with <laughs> you know I, right. I've had the, the great fortune of being in the in you know some with some very big names in in, in the world of film um, and, you know, I think that there's a certain time and place, you know, so I guess I don't really talk to a lot of them about that kind of stuff, but, you know, for me, it depends, you know, because everybody's inspired by different things. So, you know, maybe somebody loves sci-fi, but if, I, if somebody only likes period pieces and I pitch, and I pitch them a sci-fi, they're going to be like, I don't care about your idea. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so finding your audience, I think is a very big thing, but I think that when somebody is interested in the i in the um whatever idea that i'm trying to you know uh, put out there then then yeah i mean I, I think that you know there's a certain amount of audience that i'll be able to find with anything that i do i think but uh, like just like anybody else um and sometimes that that audience is only your friends and family and i've made those videos too <laughs> but <laughs> you know i like to I like to think that um i've made some good videos that you know I, i've you won you know Idea, I've won uh, film festival awards and, um, and screenwriting awards, international screenwriting awards and stuff like that. So obviously it resonated with somebody. Um, you know, hopefully I will be able to find the means to make it a much larger um, 
much larger audience, you know, than just some industry insiders, quote unquote. But uh, yeah, I mean, so far, I think we've have done decent. Okay, very nice. And just overall, I mean, do you think a lot of people are just more natural storytellers than they give themselves credit for? Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's really how humanity itself has, you know, uh, what is it, um, evolved, you know, by telling each other stories. So finding a way to communicate with each, with each other and then telling, you know, somebody about the story of the, the wolf that's around the corner and don't go into that cave, you know? I mean, it doesn't really matter what it is, but everything in, in humanity is storytelling, you know? Even if, um, I, I always like to say too, you know, no matter what profession you're in, say you're a doctor, you know, you're just playing the, I mean, you're playing the part of a doctor. You're just, you know, you're spending eight to 10 or 20 or how many every years preparing for that. So you can, you know, improv your way into like telling somebody how to fix their, their life, you know, and, and fix their health. But um, either way, you know, you're still playing a part, you know, and that's really where the root of all of acting is, is just like, you just f figure out like, yeah, you're playing a part and you have to know enough about that life to be able to live a section of that life. Cause you know, I could play a doctor. I'll never be a doctor unless I go to medical school and, and all that <laughs> stuff. But I could competently play a doctor and know enough about it to, you know, tell, tell the on-screen person a certain thing. Right. So, um, yes, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe I don't know if I answered your question or not. <laughs> no, you, you, you did. It just matter. This is it. Uh, you've got to be in the right mood and everything. And uh, do you feel like a lot of people do just have to remind themselves? It's like, hey, you're doing good work. You got to just be thankful for what you're doing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think the biggest thing is just knowing that you're doing good work for what you want to do. Right. So, you know, there is a difference between making art for yourself and making art for other people. Right. And, you know, People are natural storytellers just because it's part of what we, how we've evolved as, as a communal race, right? But, you know, that's the thing is being able to tailor your message or tailor your story so that you're going to draw a crowd that enough people are finding interest in that story versus, you know, depending on what kind of crowd you are, you have to find your audience, right? So, you know, somebody wants to say like, you know, you, you could be a very good storyteller for your family. Um, but then like, you know, outside of your family, it, it might not be that might not be the case just because everybody's subjective. Right. And they, right. you know, maybe your family has the same kind of experiences you do. And luckily with the internet, we've been able to make it so that, you know, we've been able, we're able to connect with, more like-minded people out there so you know with anybody that makes this kind of art i would say you know whatever you make there is an audience for it you just need to find it and it might be hard to find but you know you need to find it and, it, and if it is very hard to find then there's two things you can do is either you can keep your art the way it is because it's your art and that's what you want to say or you can try to augment it to get more people um more people in tune with what you're trying to say and maybe you know, be a little bit more persuasive with your message. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm a very big realist when it comes to film. You know, I, even for myself, you know, it's, um, I wouldn't want to give anybody, um, like, hopeless encouragement, I guess. But what I will say is that no matter what you do, if you're making art, there is an audience out there. It's just, you know, some messages are harder to okay. find an audience for than others. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, that kind of just goes into, I mean, 
stunt the, the best thing about being a stunt performer or supporting actor is you know you don't have to worry about necessarily the quality of the project at the time makeup people are the same way and and just even some of the other people is like it again it's out of your control so you just do the best with what you got you might be discouraged at first if half your material just doesn't make the final cut or you're not being well used as much as you could be but oh sure mm -hmm. and it is what it is it's just part of the deal <laughs> well yeah especially you know it, it really just depends too it's like are you the paint on set or you're the painter right um and you know as a stunt person you normally unless you're you know being unless you know the coordinator or the fight choreographer wants your input and 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 it's more of an open kind of thing for the most part you're doing what other what somebody else tells you and you know that's when you're the paint right so being the paint you know is great i, I love being the paint you know being able to be part of somebody else's idea you know like the some figment of imagination that this writer created and then he translated it to a director and then the director's making the camera guy do his thing but you know whatever happens on the day at the end of it it also there's an editor and if you get edited out i mean you know it has nothing to do with your performance you're right it, it's it, that's that's very true we'll return after these messages do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between goku and superman Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. Yeah, <laughs> not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America vs. Darth Vader, Solid Snake vs. the Iron Giant, classic matchups like Robocop vs. Terminator, and even the Muppets vs. Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Cool thing about Blind Knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. Blindknowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation. Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers. You know, and if you're the paint, then you just have to realize that sometimes you're going to get scraped off the canvas, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Totally. And you've done other creative outlets. You've done some modeling as well. Uh, what other creative outlets would you actually like to pursue in the future? Um, I've done very limited modeling. I actually find it very difficult to do pictures versus video. Um, 
for me, you know, doing video, you can become something versus that with pictures, like you have to become that thing, but then pause it for a second so they can take the picture. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that can be a little odd. Um, but yeah, no, then again, I haven't gone that far into, that deep into modeling. And I know that it's very difficult to do, which is why I haven't been able to do it. Um, not, I mean, I haven't tried as hard as my other pursuits, but you know, definitely I know that it is a very difficult thing to do. And I haven't ever found the best way for me to do it. So I don't do a whole lot of modeling. Um, but okay. you know, as far as between, you know, acting and, and screenwriting and directing, you know, on top of my, my, you know, stunt career, which is my main career. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I keep myself pretty creative, creatively busy. Um, I, I, I like to believe at least. No, that's great. And so <laughs> you, you, you all occupied for now, so you won't have to worry about getting extra busy. Oh, yeah. well, I always I always tell people I have four different careers, right? So I have my stunt career, which is my main career. And then I have my acting career, which is like, you know, I've, I'm, I've been in some stuff, but I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm like a, like a full, full actor. And then uh, my, my writing and directing, I mean, that, that's, those are two separate careers as well. But um, I, I like to say that those aren't really careers yet. They're more hobbies, because until I'm making a living doing it, I don't feel like it's a, a career path, per se. So, you know, but between my stunts and acting, I'm very busy. And then with my writing and directing, um, those two hobbies that I want to be careers later, um, you know, the, pursuing those is, is a whole nother, they, they could be two full-time jobs by themselves. So uh, yeah, I've been, I keep myself pretty busy doing all that. <laughs> totally. Do you have any advice you give for other people trying to get into the industry other than, hey, you gotta have a certain look, you have, gotta have a certain type of talent and Sure. Utilize social uh, yeah. media tools. <laughs> oh, yeah, social media is big. But, you know, the main thing that I like to tell people, and, it, you know, it's not a very, quote, unquote, nice thing to say, per se, but what I always tell people is that like, you better love it. Because that's the thing is it, film and TV is supposed to re reflect reality. So in that spirit, really any way that you look or are, as long as it's authentic, you should, there should be able to be a place somewhere in there because it's a reflection of reality, right? And then if you live in reality, then obviously, you know, there's some, some movie and TV show is going to reflect that reality somehow. And then there, there you are, you have something. But you have to realize that, you know, because it is such a, a, a I don't know, sought after career, um, even though people don't really know what it entails, you know, people don't realize the, the freelance lifestyle is very difficult. But I always tell people that you better love it because the best case scenario, is if you don't love what you do, if you don't love film, is that, you know, you start, uh, you, you don't work right away. And two or three years in, you, it, you still haven't worked. And you're just like, ah, I need to do something else. I need to move on. The worst case scenario is that you do work right away. And and then later on, there's a dry spell because everybody goes through their dry spells. If you're a, a career film person, then you know you're you're there's going to be a dry spell at some point. And at that point, you know, say it's seven years down the road, ten years down the road, and it's a little bit dry, and your finances are messed up, maybe, and maybe your you know your personal life is a little bit strained because of it, and you don't even like what you do. I mean if you try to change careers at that point, you know, the, the regular world doesn't see just like me when I first 
you know, before I started, like they don't really know that it's a real career. They just think that like, oh, you know, you walk down the street and Spielberg gives you a million dollars and then you meet him at the studio the next day. You know, it's like winning the lottery or something like that. So, but that does reflect on like, you know, say you want to become like a, you know, you want to, you want to apply for a job at some other point. And then you say like, oh yeah, the last 10 years I've been an actor or a stunt person. They'd be like, oh, okay, sure. So the entry level job is, you know, so you know, the, the main thing is you just have to really be honest with yourself in the very beginning is, do I love this? Would I do this for free? Would I pay to do this? I mean, like, you know, there, there's a certain amount of, um, I call it insanity almost that you have to have to, to know that like, if that's what you, if this is what you want to do, there's going to be hard times and it needs to feed you by itself because sometimes, you know, there, there might not be jobs, you know, there might be a COVID-19, another, another thing like that, that pops up. And then all of a sudden, you know, everything's shut down, you know, and then are you just going to be sitting there like, you know, really like, you know, like messed up about it and never that you're not working. And you know, even though nobody's working and then, and then just hate your life, you know? So um, the best thing to do really is just be very honest with yourself. Is this something that I want to dedicate my life to? Because it's not, uh, one of my first acting teachers, I think they, they put it very well, is that the film industry is an unforgiving mistress. <laughs> so. Totally. And it's not to be personal. And like you say, to expect the world to understand every kind of job you do, again, they're just, you know, people are just trying to fill the slots, you know, so to speak. <laughs> and, yeah. and they'll discriminate based on just simple things like, are you old enough? Are you, do I believe you can do this job, this or that? And Sure. Yeah, it's not meant to be personal, but it feels personal sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, and you know, and you you can't really do anything about that. You know, I, I, I'm my my old acting teacher used to joke about it too. It's like maybe you look like their, uh, maybe you look like their ex husband, and they don't want to hire you because of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, hey, you know what? Um, I mean, that that's unfortunately the industry is set up that way where. You know, it's like, I mean, that, I don't think that happens very often, you know, but like you said, you know, it could be very something very small, you know, maybe it's just the, not the right hair color or skin complexion or uh, height or weight or, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, obviously they're trying to steer away from a little, little bit about that, but I mean, it's going to take a long time because it is a visual medium. Totally. And do you have any tools and other uh, stuff that you think is just great, not only just for creating reels, but also just for promoting projects you've been in you got iStunt obviously which is an invaluable source commonly used by stunt performers do you have any other things you'd like to note for other people in the industry yeah um well i mean i'm on all of them so there's iStunt there's stunt listing there's uh stunt access there is uh, uh stunt players <laughs> stunt people of color um yeah, I mean, they're, you know, all of them are, are great things to be on um, just because a lot of coordinators, you know, especially now since people can't hustle and, you know, they there's so much more proje product or not products. Um, well, yeah, products too, but there's so many more projects across the entire world that it's hard to find, you know, the people. So a lot of those um, listing services are uh, very useful to them to be able just to look people up. Um yeah, I mean, it, it, I live in Los Angeles, so there's some stuff that are here, but like, you know, there are every, the best thing that anybody can do if they want to go to stunt specifically is to find people inside of the stunt industry 
in the city that they're in and figure out where they train, how they train, you know, what they do and what kind of projects are coming in and out. And if you're in a place with a very low amount of projects that go through that city, then, you know, unfortunately, if this is something you love and you want to do, you might have to move. Um, so I guess it really just depends, you know, being in, you know, I don't know, uh, the middle of the uh, middle of the country where, you know, that barely has any people around you at all, but you're on a website. You know, you could be the best person in the world, but it's really hard for somebody to to hire you if that's the case. You know, you're because you're in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the country, trying to, you know, trying to say like, I'm really great. Fly me out to Los Angeles or Atlanta to to work on this movie. And then, I mean, if you were in their shoes, how feasible would that be? So, you know, being able to to go to where the work is is also another uh, big help. Totally. And. It's not uncommon for people to be typecast, even though it's, you know, looked down upon. But if they're looking at what kind of roles you play, eventually it's going to happen. You're like, hey, you know, you played a oh, role sure. of this short sort, so I want you to play another role kind of like that. Yeah, you know, I, I always kind of tell some people that, you know, my friends or that people that I work with that, like, you know, you really kind of have to put it out as if, I mean, Obviously not exactly, but you know, it's like is that as if you were a uh, was it a freelance plumber, something like that, you know? And then <laughs> you know, you have to be able to tell people why you're fast, the fastest of what you do, how it's good, what previous work you've done, maybe show them pictures of of the previous work, and then you're also not going to be showing them how good of a car driver you are if you're you know freelance plumber. So it's like you know, being able to be very specific on what you're showing and like how. You know, your your type, unfortunately, is just going to be what your previous work has been. So, um, you know, maybe you're a super intellectual, like, nice guy that, you know, um, but, like, in real life, but then your fit, your your look and your, your body and all the pictures that you put out look, make you look like an evil, leave, evil jerk, you know? I mean, like, <laughs> sorry, I don't want to swear on your podcast. <laughs> but, okay. um, you know, then, I mean, they're going to hire what they, what they can see. You know, I mean, like they're not, they're going to hire you for the job that they're hiring for. Um, and I mean, if the, if the work that you've done, I mean, yeah, it's being typecasting, you know, you try to fight against it, but the only way you can do that is by either making your own work uh, that you're playing something else feasibly um, where somebody else can see you doing it on their project or, you know, convincing somebody else to hire you in this thing that you don't normally do. And then hope that that's enough to get somebody else interested too, you know, so so you've, you've already, again, spoken about, you know, understanding, forgiveness, as well as just passion. And that all just fuels you all together. Uh, do you think a lot of people kind of just forget about those key elements? Um, you know, I think that, again, it comes down to, you know, some people just might not love it as much as they think. You know, so I mean, like, and I, I, I get that that can be... Um, hard for, you know to wrap your head around sometimes it's like oh you know I'm, all i can think about is this thing but then you have to really think about it. it's like well, okay well take the money out of it and take the fame out of it or take you know whatever else you know superficial there could be out of it and like is doing the thing what you like to do or is it what you get out of it what you like to do right what's and, on the paper might read bigger right you know and and you know it's so 
And that's why I say you really have to love it. Because if you do love it, then like doing all these other things are just going to fall into place. Because if you really love something and you care about it, then you're going to automatically take the care and you're automatically going to prepare and you're automatically going to do the research and you're automatically going to do the training because it's part of that thing that you want and thing that you love. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I think again, you know, going back to, to what I said earlier is just being honest with yourself is like, do you really love this thing? Do you love it so much that when you wake up, you want to train to do it and train how to do it better the next time you do it and uh, go out and meet the people and is this the community that you like to be in and all that kind of stuff? Because if that's not the trick, if that's not the case, then, you know, like you said, you know, you, you're going to forget about all these different things that you need to do because, you know, it really wasn't that important in the first place. So there you go. Uh, any projects you would love to plug for the future? Um, I am actually waiting on a very cool fight that I did a while ago, quite a while ago now on Hunter's season two. Um, can't tell much about it, but I'm, I, I guess I, I don't want to plug that, but <laughs> it, I am looking forward to Hunter season two. <laughs> and um, uh, I have my own uh, short film that I'm putting into film festivals that will be coming out soon. It's called Mask. Um, and uh, hopefully by the end of the year, I am planning on uh, make, making a, or creating, writing, uh, I've written it already, but I'm going to direct and star in my first feature film that I've, I've created. So I think that's very exciting for me Sweet. personally, even though uh, shooting it at the end of the year means that it won't come out for quite a while after that. So I don't know about if that's so much a plug as so much as me saying, I'm excited about this movie I'm about to make. <laughs> You're very invested in the features. Um, yeah. Do you have any fun stories you want to talk about working with, uh, you know, Isaac Florentine and even just other people such as uh, Timothy Woodward Jr.? Um, Timothy, I well, that was a long time ago. I, I only you met on a bunch of his projects. <laughs> Chuck Russell. Yeah, I, I worked on one movie with Chuck Russell uh, as a John Travolta movie. Actually, it's funny kind of thing about that. My my father is uh, so my father is he's a, he's a Taiwanese man. He came over to America when you know in his twenties, and he started an engineering firm in Columbus. And he was actually very 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 against me going to the film industry when I first started. Oh, wow. um, but I mean, you know, what with any, I think a lot of responsible parents are very against their you know family going to the film industry just because of the idea of what it is i mean maybe I, he didn't know what i know now about the film industry which you know somebody telling you know uh talking about it now you know i, I know but what knowing what he knew about it, i understand completely why he didn't want me to do it because one you're freelance and two it's it's like quote unquote like winning the lottery right so there's not a lot of you know there's not a lot of uh, not a big chance of you quote unquote making it or making a career of it in any way so anyways, when, um, but on that movie with Chuck Russell, is I Am Wrath, it was a John Travolta movie, and I, I it was actually shooting in Columbus, Ohio, which is my hometown. And my father's office building that you know he owned his, his own engineering firm was actually maybe five minutes down the street from where we were shooting. And they flew me back from uh, to Ohio from you know L.A. and to do this movie and whatever. Um, and <laughs> I'm. I'm going to set and then my like literally on the way there my dad's just like so you're getting paid for this right I'm like what do you think john travolta is doing this movie for free what's going on here so uh, i i don't know that always stuck with me i thought it was kind of funny because that's that's really just how most uh people outside the film industry kind of think about it is like well, okay well you know 
maybe you're in this movie, but are you even getting paid for this? Is this a real career? Like, when are you going to move on to something else? <laughs> there he is. Well, and your movie, Die Fighting, is kind of a cult hit. kind of keeps circulating on all the streaming sites. It was one of those. It's like it came out a year ago and then hit video stores a year later. <laughs> oh, right. No, that was, a, that was actually a movie I did at the very, very, very beginning of my career. Um, I think that's one of the first things that got casted in. Uh, there's a bit, yeah, I, I was part of, I don't know if you've, you've, you've seen the movie, right? Yeah. Um, the, the big fight scene inside of the dojo. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, um, the dojo fight. Yeah, so, yeah, the big dojo fight. I was, I was part of that. Yeah, that, that was right when I very first started. Um, I moved, to, right, right after I moved to Los Angeles, um, I, I got, I think I saw it on Craigslist or, or some, something, and I, I saw that they were casting for it. So I went to go do an audition and I uh, ended up getting booked. And actually, a lot of people that I met on that set are, are still in the stunt industry and uh, yeah, we've, we've stayed friends this whole time. Sweet. I mean, it helps also that you got just so much work that people can't actually see. So they can't say, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. It's like, no. If anyone wants to now, they can find your performances on 24 or the NCIS shows or Westworld. And it's like, yeah, exactly. nope, right there in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, at, at first, I, it was a little bit of a curse, but then now it's, it's kind of fun, you know, because in stunts, we call it burning your face. If you are featured as a stunt, performer inside of a show i mean it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse because obviously you're in the show and like you know with the final edit like you know your face is there and everything like that but on the other hand you can't really work on the show anymore because once you die on the show you're dead right but if unless they want to put makeup on and have you be a different guard or hero even (laughs) even then they're not going to do the makeup or the wig usually because you know people can still kind of tell so i mean if you're if they can really get a good good shot of your face more than likely you're not going to work on that show and or versus if you're you know just a, a fighter or something like that they never really see your face you're just automatically in motion then you die you know your just body hits the floor then they could use you again so there you, you know, go and, um there, there have been i've been that uh, quite a few times but there also have been a lot of these shows where like they did want to use my face and i think it's because since i'm a mixed race person and not a lot of people look like me um you know there's kind of like yeah, let's, let's let's use this guy, you know. But then it kind of sucks because I can't I can't work on that show anymore. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a yeah, double edged sword. You got a key project with one of the mini Power Ranger stars, Jason David Frank, uh, Legend of the White oh. Dragon coming out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I just did a small uh, little part on that one. That that should be cool. Um, yeah, Jason's a great guy. You know, it's really cool meeting him. It, it was really cool meeting him for all those YouTube videos because he is so dedicated to his fans um, and mm-hmm. just such a nice guy all around. I mean, he's so, you know, excited whenever he's on set. He's so, you know, he's very supportive of the people he's working with. And and he knows how much of a, a different, or you know, how much of an impact he made on a lot of people. So, you know, just seeing the way that he really like keeps his fans in mind is very inspiring really because you know especially with somebody like him that I, I didn't really you know i saw him when i was a, a kid and i never thought i would see him again you know but then like meeting him in person and him being that caring about his fans and the way that 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 people um like see what he does and like you know the, making sure that there's good morals and and all these different things intact in, in with it i mean and in keeping in mind that his show that was a kid's show and he knows that you know 
I think that that is is a very inspiring thing just to just to know that you know people care that much inside this industry. And it goes back to how many, you know, when you describe the kind of skills you can do, some people will just look at you like you're an Olympian or even a circus freak, and you're just like, no, well, we do similar things, but I mean, again, we're putting on a show. It's very expensive. It's very time consuming, and you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and you know. Also, shout out to Aaron Aaron Shonky. You know, he uh, he's the director of, of the the White Dragon thing, and I mean, he raised a crap load of money on Kickstarter. I think it was Kickstarter or Indigo. I think it's Kickstarter. And um, I mean, he's been doing the, the Superpower Beatdown show for a long time, and that's where that's one of the also the things I, I kind of first cut my teeth of a little bit. And um, not it, you know that was more of the internet kind of video stuff, but you know, I got me and Alvin Singh got to choreograph fight scenes for both the, those viral videos the uh, scorpion versus white ranger and the green rangers versus ryu um and just you know being able to translate my ideas into fight choreography that get, then gets turned into you know kind of like real life inside this box it was that was a very surreal awesome experience you know and i, I really have to I give a shout out to Aaron for you know bringing me on to that whole that whole thing because I, whenever I think of Jason David Frank, I always think of Aaron and vice versa. Just because you know I you know being able to work with those two has been um, I don't know it's just it's been you know a great honor in my life. Yeah, he's got plenty of other Power Rangers in this as well, Johnny Young Bosch and Serena Vincent. Uh, how did they, David Ramsey, Mark Dacascos, and even Michael Madsen become part of this experiment? Uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm I'm not uh, as involved with the Legend of the White Dragon so much as um, the other projects of them. So, I mean, I know Johnny Young Bosch. You know, I, I've seen him training, and and I've met him a few times that way. But um, as far as everybody else, I mean, Aaron just, you know, I think because he has been such a force online with his YouTube channel and and all the videos that he's been making, he's been able to you know, meet, meet people who knew people who knew people kind of thing, you know, that's yeah. how I imagine that he got a lot of this stuff. But at the same time, I mean, when you're raising that much money on Kickstarter, I mean, that's going to turn some heads, you know, and, um, and the quality of his work has been really great for many years. So, I mean, it's not surprising to me that he, he is, was able to get all those people involved. Um, but as far as that particular movie, I did a small part on it. I worked one, one day. Um, I'm, I wasn't, as involved with that one as a lot of his other projects, though. So. Okay, all good. Yeah, any other just final, just inspiring stories uh, involving the Suicide Squad, Forever Purge, or Seas with Scott Atkins and Mario Van Peebles before we go? Um, hmm. Let me think. <laughs> inspiring stories, huh? <laughs> or just that they just really stood out and you're just like, hey, I'm, I'm in this for the long run. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, I'll say that I'm I'm constantly inspired in my own way by everybody that I work with, you know, because if you're if I if I'm meeting you on a set, more than likely there was a long road to get there, right? So yeah. just it it I w I'll say this is that whenever I'm on set with anybody and you know especially what yeah, when I meet these like famous people like Scott Atkins um, and and Jason David Frank and you know and and other like Gary Sinise and all these you know even Daniel Henney and like all these different people that you know I try to put that away for a little while and once I get on the set I'm like this is a job I'm here to um 
like one example I'll say is um, like say 24 Legacy. Um, you know, the lead actor, I had seen him on uh, Straight Outta Compton, you know, and I loved yeah, that movie. Corey Hawkins. Yes. Yeah. And I loved that movie. And a couple of months after that, I'm sitting on set with him, like trying to kill him, you know, and but I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not even going to bring it up. I, I like, you know, and then the very last day, and I was there, I was thinking I was working on it there for a week. The very last day, right before I left, I was just like, hey, you know, I didn't want to make it weird, but I, I love getting straight out of Compton. I'm really a fan of your work. And that, and then that was it. And then I walked away, you know, <laughs> and it was one of those things that like, I, whenever I get on to set, you know, especially with, you know, these kind of, you know, big, big people in, in the industry, you know, I try to put it away until I'm done. And then maybe I'll like, you know, shake their hand, maybe try to get a picture or something like that. If it's, if it's, you know, feasible for the situation. Right. So, Just like, oh, and that, uh, that, that even makes me wonder, you know, if you might even start doing convention work in the future, especially since so many people know you from Power Rangers and Mortal Kombat side projects. <laughs> um, I mean, if I got invited, I might, you know, I've, I've done a few conventions with the uh, Bat in the Sun with Aaron Shurka, uh, uh, Shanky and, um, you know, I've done a few panels and stuff like that, like at Comic-Con and, and whatever. But, I mean, I, I mostly just go where I'm uh, invited. So, you know, if if they were to reach out to me and ask me to be on something, I'd, I'd most likely more than happy, be more than happy to do it. But, um, yeah, I don't really, I don't know. I I don't know how it works with the, with a lot of those conventions. You know, do, do you seek it out or do you, or do they come, and come to you? I always feel like they come to you, right? It's kind of a bit of everything. I mean, you just got to ready to split the bill and <laughs> oh yeah i mean yeah so my sister you know she has a um a booth that she you know buys at different comic comic book conventions because she's a graphic novels uh, you know so you know i mean i think somebody had ex uh what is it suggested to me at one point to like buy a booth and maybe like do some autograph kind of things but i never felt like i was th as that popular in order to be able to make that seem feasible so but i don't know maybe in the future if you know if i if i feel like it's if, if i feel like my star has grown a little bit bigger than it is then i might i might consider it but as of right now i mean i'm just gonna go where i'm invited i'm good i'm good all right well it's been a delight talking to you and i hope you stay safe out there i appreciate you and uh yeah th thank you for having me on the show Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jack